the middle of a class, I'd be like, LA players report to the van, LA player. And I'd like stand up proud in the middle of geometry class and be like, sorry, I've been called. (laughs) I have to leave. Good luck with the triangles. Welcome and thank you for listening to Almost Almost Famous, the podcast where actors, writers, comedians talk about the ups and downs, ebbs and flows of working towards making this crazy biz and how they're almost, almost famous. I'm your host, Daniel Acker. Today's guest has starred in House of Lies, Superstore, Bajillion Dollar Properties, The Lasso G, and more. It is the always hilarious and kind Ryan Gall. Ah, thank you. The last part of that was my favorite. When I said your name? Yeah. (laughs) I don't care about that kind part. I don't want that getting out there in Hollywood. That can't help me. What made you get into acting and comedy? I'm sure my story is similar to a lot of people's, but, and I'm, I'm not positive, but I was the youngest of four children. And so that kind of baby clown syndrome, I think they call it, or I call it that because I've never heard that before, actually. Medically speaking. Yeah, though. I was a baby clown. Yeah. Um, no, but I, I think I had no attention from my parents. They were too busy with my three older siblings, and I had to I had to work for it. So I, I'm the youngest of four as well. Are you? I don't think we have ever touched on this. What are the What are the older three? Is it what's the breakdown? So, so it's two years apart, and it's starting with me. It's boy, girl, boy, girl, um, and there. So my oldest sister is uh, six years older than I am. My oldest brother is six years older than I am. What is happening? This is crazy. This is why we've always been in love secretly. <laughs> yes, because we're narcissists. And it's yes, just, exactly. Like, oh, it's the, the same person. Yeah, well, shout out. No, but so yeah, I don't, maybe, maybe it was similar for you, but I really, I like, there are no pictures of me at my parents' house because they were like, we didn't have time, Ryan. Only, <laughs> I get a story from my mother that she was like, I was, she was a stay-at-home mom. She would substitute teach, but she was like, I was so busy when I found out I was pregnant with you. I, I think, and in my mind, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a nice story of her, like going and picking flowers and then saying like, I get to do it one more time. And she was like, no, I sat on the couch and cried for like three weeks straight and was just terribly depressed, contemplated getting rid of you. I was like, all right, all right, well, you've just started my career in comedy. Yeah, That's going to do it. Which I'm sure just helped you know, any parent with that choice. Yeah. Thank God he's, you know. Oh gosh. He's a comedian. Oh yeah. I mean, when I told them I was going to do that, they were like, no, you're not. No, you're not. It just, it was not even a, it was beyond a joke to them that I would try to make a living by being a comedian or being an actor. When I wanted to go to LA, my dad was like, what is it not? What? No. You can't. And I was like, I'll just visit there. As I'm like packing everything up, everything. You're originally from Massachusetts, right? So was I'm, there? I'm from Maine. Oh, you're from Maine. Okay. Yeah, but I lived in Massachusetts. When I came to LA, I was coming from Massachusetts. Gotcha. Okay. So um, you were truly other end of the country. Yeah. I added to it like, wait, you're, why, why are you going that far? Like, Yeah, why would you abandon us that far? You're literally picking the furthest part away from Maine and I was like yes I am like yes I am (laughs) they were actually quite supportive in the long run and I remember one time doing a play in college 
and she doesn't remember doing this, but my mother wrote me a note after she came to see the play. And she was like, if you, she was like, you know, you're really good. If you ever wanted to do this as a career, you, you should. And I, it was such a weird out of character note for her to send me on well, like a tiny little thing. I should have kept it, but I was like, this can't be my mother. <laughs> so I immediately burnt it. But I thought of that. It's weird. Those little things kind of stick in your mind as clues or road signs to be like, oh, maybe I could do that. It sounds like it's funny that your mom didn't tell you, but she gave you a letter. But then it sounds like she'd also deny writing that letter. Yeah, she never wrote it. In fact, I'm just thinking of this now. It might have been meant for somebody else. <laughs> There's someone else in the place that, like, that kid's good. That, that could have, or it was just somebody else's mother and it got put in my mailbox at college. And somehow I was like, my name's not, my name's not Jason, but I'll open it. Mm, yeah, I'll take this compliment. <laughs> I need this. I'll let it drive me. Like you did plays in high school and college and... I never did him in uh, high school. The only thing I did in high school, I was part of a uh, <laughs> a drug uh, a drug awareness program where we would travel from school to school and do these very dramatic improvised scenes about like a a father who drank too much and sending his kids off to school. And then we'd stop in the middle of it and be like, now it's time to take questions. And we weren't qualified at all to like train anyone. On, but we were more saying like, this exists. And I guess you should be aware of it. And then they would feed us and put us up for the night. And we thought we were rock stars. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. Your first taste of fame. It was so weird. We would do like fake drunk driving accidents in four seats and then in slow motion be like, wait, I'm not sure, Billy, if you should have been drinking before we drove home. He's like, I'm fine. I'd crash as we grab our seats and slowly move them. And again, break out and go like, who has questions? I wish someone would have been like, how are you guys qualified? <laughs> <laughs> I have a question. When does this end so I can go to my soccer yeah. game? Because this is very boring. And I'm going to drunk drive tonight. <laughs> yeah, it's a long day of drinking and driving. Yeah. <laughs> After your drama stint of, of, yeah. of driving. Fact, yeah. Were you, did you feel like, oh, comedy is more what I want to go to? Or, or you were like, no, I'm a dramatic, serious actor. I was never that. But I did only do like hearty, hearty dramas in college, which were not, I didn't find them fun. I mean, these were like dark, dark, dark draw. I went to a small liberal arts school called Stonehill College outside of Boston. And this theater director was like, I mean, probably had bodies in her uh, basement. She was the darkest. She, she was about nine feet tall. I've never saw her smile once. And she'd be like, this semester we'll be doing a play called john's quest to dig up his mother and it's like what oh no who wrote this and she's like scribbling away as she writes it it sounds like slender man's wife yeah <laughs> slender man's wife that's the play we did the next semester that's so funny yeah she was so dark and so when i got out of college and i finally graduated i was like i'm done with that and and i found improv comedy like two years later and was like oh what's this this seems much more fun and i don't have to like cry on command 
so I started doing that and that's, I definitely fell in love with that right away. I was like, this is exactly what I want to do for the rest of my life. There are times though, I don't know if you have this sometimes where I'm like, uh, I wouldn't mind doing something like a horror movie or, or something that would be, I'd have to like sink my teeth into and actually perform a little bit, not just make a joke. But I feel like if I was to do drama or the feeling I've, when I've talked to people, it's always like, that's like an escape. That's like a fun thing. Like, I don't want to do drama forever. It's like, oh, let me just do a little dramatic thing, cry. Yeah. Um, because comedy is the serious work I do. Yeah. <laughs> Have you met people? I mean, I've met a lot of people who are like, I usually do drama. I am not comfortable doing comedy at all. And they'll panic. I, I, I remember doing a pilot years ago and the lead who I'm not going to mention because I, I, he was a very nice guy, but he was like, it was a multicam comedy. So it was very specific type of comedy and he had never done one. And we had, he was like nervous shaking. And I'm like, you've worked for so long. What are you, what's going? And this is like a well-known actor, but he, we did the read through in front of like the whole studio and production company and all the execs within 30 seconds of walking out the door I'm getting a text saying like, he's been let go. Um, He knows, please do not talk to him on his way off the lot. And I was like, oh my God, that happened fast. And it, it, you know, he was very, very bad, very bad. But at the same time, that's in a weird way, it's gotta be nice to know that like, just because you've done a lot, just because you're known, if you're not right for it, you're not right for it. It's not like, it's like, well, we gotta let this person do it. And it, can be like, oh, okay, I guess if I go in for something, I'm wrong. They'll let me know pretty quickly. Yeah, and it happens a lot to, like, I know I'm always like, I want to audition because I never want that. I never want an offer for a part. I want to audition so they know if I can do it or not because there's a lot I cannot do, and I know that. (laughs) And that's got to be a hit to the ego to get a call on your walk out of the, the read through. And also the, almost the added embarrassment of they made you do the whole thing. Like, oh, the, uh, yeah. They didn't stop a couple lines and be like, Hey, uh, we're going to have Danishes for a few minutes. Can, can we talk with you over here in the corner? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was not that at all. By the way, he within a day had been put on another pilot. So it, it's like they just juggle these 30 actors around during pilot yeah. season until they find the right role that they can do. Chances are I do the same thing. It, I have had the same thing when the few times I've gone in to read for like a hospital drama, they're kind of like, thanks for coming in, man. Are you a real interesting read? Real interesting. I guess we could have a clown episode. <laughs> <laughs> Baby clown? Yeah. <laughs> Now getting into improv was like, clearly it it doesn't sound like you did improv or doing comedy growing up. So like, where do you think that came from to be like, oh, this clicks? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I kind of think weirdly that troupe in high school gave me some confidence because I was like, I remember auditioning for that group. We were called the LA Players, Lincoln Academy Players. And we all wore black and we were very cool. Cause they'd be like in the middle of the day in the middle of a class, I'd be like LA players report to the van LA player. And I'd like stand up proud in the middle of geometry class and be like, sorry, I've been called. <laughs> I have to leave. <laughs> Good luck with the triangles. Uh, and 
I, I think the shows and especially the audition, I was like, this is easy. I, I'm, I think I'm better at making up things than saying words on paper. And so that came back to me like years later when I finally auditioned for this place called Improv Asylum in Boston. And I just was like, this is, I don't, I don't stop myself. I, I have very little filter at all. I think I have more filter now because I've been like kind of ruined by the the business in a way than I did back then. I was like, I'll do anything. I'll say anything. You want an accent of something that's probably going to be offensive? Yeah, I'll go, I can do that. Listen, this is the this is the early two thousands. This is still allowed. Uh, now I'm like, uh oh, I've I don't I have, there's so many rules now and uh and and not just about accents but rules in terms of improv like after teaching it for so long I'm like in my head almost like uh, what's what's the right way to attack this scene I don't know let's just I guess I'll go all right I had a similar thing where it's like I got to college and joined the improv and sketch group and improv to me was always something where I felt like so many people will be like that's so scary that's the scariest thing to do and I go I think it's the easiest same because i go i've done sketch i've done stand-up and we've acted and stuff but you just go if the thing that feels hard to you is staying on stage and just word vomiting yeah literally the thing we're doing right now as human beings like trust me you get on stage like it's the only medium i've worked where they go like nothing's wrong truly like in a weird yeah. way i just go like everyone should just hop up on stage and start, start saying nonsense mm-hmm. and suddenly they'll realize oh it it kind of like i've been like i don't think it takes much to make people laugh it's just they're so nervous because they're no. like, I couldn't do it. And then you say something and they're like, he did it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> It's so true. I, I think it's literally listening and, and saying something else after you listen that has something to do with what they said. Yeah. And then continue. That's basically, that's <laughs> the like decider of like, a good improviser listens, reacts to something they said anyone can just say anything afterwards. Like there's also yes. like, I've done scenes where like I've worked with people and it's been like, oh, you're not listening. And yet it still doesn't matter. No, it does not matter. <laughs> the audience you will still, still can, watch. Yes. And it, it, people are like, well, I can do that. I can do that, but I can't be funny. I don't know how to be funny. And I'm like, yeah, you, you would be, you would be. I mean, how many times do you walk down the street all day long? People are talking, kind of laughing at each other. And you, people are just naturally funny because they're not, they don't want to be boring. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess there's some people that might, might not be able to do it, but I think you're right when you say it more than, more than not would be surprised at how easy it is. Yeah love that we're taking something we've worked so hard on for our whole career and we're being like by the way guys this is a scam everybody could anyone could do this well i feel like the other side of it is like neither of us have really made money just purely on improv so it's like a thing people could do but i totally understand why you wouldn't yeah you're right now when it comes to like improv in particular i always feel like there's different types of improvisers there's the like there's the true actor who is just such a good actor they're reacting they're doing anything but i would say like maybe not necessarily the funniest person but they're just keeping mm-hmm. the scene like oh this all makes sense and then i feel like there's the people who are like the joke writers like they can just throw in jokes and then like have you ever given a thought of like oh like what is my like why do i excel at improv because i do feel like it's sort of like you find your niche 
I have thought about that. And what makes me think about it is when, when, when we have character auditions or something where they're like, bring in your top five characters. I'm, I'm usually very bad at those because I, my characters almost always are based on other people's energy on stage. So I usually wait to see what somebody else is doing and I'm reacting off that and trying to make what's happening between us funny. If you ask me to just go out on stage and do something alone, I'm not as, I don't feel like I'm as successful. So I don't know if it fits either of the categories you were talking about, but I feel like I'm, I, I, it's one of the things I love about improv is that you're up there with somebody else and I flourish with somebody who's staring at me and we are having a, uh, something together and we get on that same, that same level. That's the time I'm like, Ooh, this feels magical right now. We are in sync. Right. So you're like a, like a emotional mirror, empathetic performer. Oh, like for sure. Other person to be like, okay, that's, that's the energy you're bringing. I'll either match or I'll be the opposite and we'll make this thing work. Yeah, because... for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's the team playing. I always, yeah. I feel like whenever I've seen you perform, I, that definitely clicks where it's like, I, I feel like you're real good at matching energy because like you've probably clearly intelligently figured out like that's just the fast way to get on the same page. Totally. Yeah. You're like, oh, this person's smiling a lot. I'm smiling a lot. Yeah. Great. We're happy. We'll figure out why. We'll figure out what. Yeah. And I think other performers might be like kind of more like, okay, they're okay, they're doing that. I'll do this thing and letting it like blend. And you're just like, let's jump in. Totally. What do you consider your style? I described it as like, I think I'm kind of more of a sniper. Yeah. I think my skill is like, I, I love jokes. I love yeah. the comedy aspect of it and the math of it. Yeah. And that's just what I bring. You are not, your sniper is a, the right word. And I, I feel like in improv early, someone gave me the idea of like, it was sort of like follow your foot. And I always try to listen to that, like, especially like long form and everything when people are kind of running in. Anytime I've had like a show where I haven't felt good is when I've had the urge to go in, but didn't. Yeah. And I'm sure you've had moments like that. And I go like, anytime I've just jumped in, it's been the right thing to do. Like, you know, it's just like, the, it works in the scene. And I feel like it's just like, that's a big thing. of just getting off the wall, just being like, just go. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in like a long form when you're like, oh no. I haven't been out there yet and it's been 20 minutes. <laughs> like the crowd doesn't even, they think I might be a sage manager at this point. I better, I got to get out there. Have you given yourself a definition of success? No, I don't think I'm one of those guys that, I think a, a long time ago I was like, I want to, I want to go to LA. That's success. And then I want to book a commercial. If I can book one commercial, I could probably buy a surfboard, learn to surf. I never did. But then I booked a commercial and I was like, God, I want another commercial. I want a TV show. I want to, it's, it's at, you know, the same as most people going like, you keep, you keep picking a new goal. And I think what I've come to realize is like, I, I'm comfortable as long as I'm trying for something new. You know, I've never, I, I haven't sold a script yet. And that's on my bucket list of like, I want to, I really want to sell a script. I want somebody to see you know, with or with somebody or by myself, I want, I want to prove to myself, like I have value in that department. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. 
it's definitely changed from like financial goals to uh, different things now, you know, maybe they might have to do with family or, you know, so success is sort of a rolling ball for me. I think if, if I'm trying, I'm succeeding. I, right. So it's not, I feel like the, the danger when it becomes the pushing the goalpost or the goal is because you feel like you're, you're lacking or you didn't reach a benchmark, but you seem to be like, Oh, I've done that. Let's do a new goal. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's an exciting adventure as opposed to, not not being happy with what you've done exactly both of us have friends who have kind of skyrocketed and i see how like joyful that can be for them and i also see the other things that come with that and you know i remember having dinner early on with somebody who had done just that and could we couldn't have a conversation at the table we we couldn't go out to eat because it just was a parade of people coming up to him and at first you're like, oh, that's awesome. I love that. I want that. And after a while you talk to them and it's like, no, it's really, I, I can't really go out to eat unless, unless I'm in like a back room or like hidden or incognito or, and to, that's a little sad to me, but I sort of feel like I landed in a pocket where it's perfect right now, where I have some steady work once in a while I'll be like somebody will say like hey, do I are you on, have you ever been on TV I'll be like oh I've done a few things but and they're like okay and there's an awkward 6 seconds and then they go okay bye <laughs> but that's even rare I mean so I I like the fact that I can go out to eat and nobody is like he's an actor so fame is not something that you've like been like that's never I never no I never uh you know, even doing shows, I'm like, I don't, I, I, I don't think I'm, I'm comfortable with anytime somebody's like, great show in the front lobby of something to the point where I don't, I will not go to the front lobby of any theater usually. And I like to just kind of give it an old French exit out the back <laughs> uh, as soon as I can. Because the true joy for me is just, I love being on stage. I love hearing laughter. I love like making other people on stage laugh I, that joy is like i'm addicted to that i don't and you need an audience and i love the energy from an audience but i don't like the especially in la i don't like the false sort of acclaim that you can get where you're like i know that wasn't a great show don't i don't know who you are and i can't trust your opinion <laughs> so <laughs> so please i'd rather just not hear anything I wish you would go in the front lobby and say that to every person who comes up to you. Quick announcement, so I don't have to say this to everybody. Just don't talk to me. As it, and just picture nobody's head is turned toward me and uh, yeah. one person turns around and just like, we weren't going to say anything, sir. You just hear one person like, was he in the show? <laughs> <laughs> just whispered, was he even in the show? I don't remember him. Oh, yeah. He's the stage manager on the side. He was... <laughs> Exactly. No, that sounds so, as I'm saying this, it sounds uh, I'm like I'm not being appreciative of an audience and I truly am, but I, I think it more says more about me uh, being uncomfortable with it. You know, I think I've always been uncomfortable with people giving any sort of compliment. Really? Where does that come from? Because you are deserving of compliment. You are a talented person. You're a great person. I gotta go, dude. I gotta go. <laughs> uh, no, I think, I, you know, 
I hate to say being raised as a, a Catholic probably had some things to do with it. You know, I have parents who very much are that way and humble and probably not getting, I, I mean, not to get too deep, but I probably didn't get a ton of praise as a kid. So I wasn't used to it or comfortable with it. So now I'm more comfortable performing without getting praise for it. Interesting. God, I'm really, this is getting cathartic. Yeah. I've never thought about that, to be honest. I'm going to get a text from you later and be like, I'm having a full breakdown here. Yeah. I, I love my family. <laughs> Needs a lot of help. I'm in, or- I'm in Oregon, man. <laughs> Do you feel, or I know you've talked about goals and stuff. Do you have things for you that make you feel like you've made it or you've hit certain benchmarks for yourself? Becoming a series regular on a TV show was definitely like, this is, this is a different level. This feels really fun. You know, it's almost gross, the difference in the way you're treated on set, where it's like, and then going back to some like commercials or back to a guest star or something, which I am so thankful for all of it, because it's, you know, that's my job to be able to go back and forth from, you know, doing whatever work to also figuring out how to take a month and a half where I get nothing and and fill my days with things that don't pay me immediately. That's, that's a real challenge. As far as benchmarks, the biggest one was getting, doing the last OG and going to New York and, and really burying my head and work for, for four months a year for the last four years. That's been, that's been really exciting, but yeah. So going from that, I think that's part of our job is we're little, we're, chameleons on stage we also sort of have to do that in our life because we're always doing something crazy and weird and new and sometimes it's great and sometimes you cry in the car on the way home from an audition and sometimes you're like that was a fun one day gig god i wish i could do that all the time um i mean i've been fired from a a commercial before where i was like that's the end of my career that's it and i it felt so big that moment felt so big and I realize now in retrospect, like, no, most people have had that experience. And, you know, just by numbers, it happens all the time. It was my version of the guy who got fired after the, uh, the reading. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, but definitely the series regular was, was the high point and getting fired on a Bud Light commercial was my low point. Speaking of another low point, this is the time in the show when I bring oh, out no. the famed insult comic. Okay. <laughs> Raz Clifford likes to come out, take the oh, guest boy. down peg. Raz, well, you're welcome. Good try. I think I've already done it. <laughs> yeah, beat him to the punch. All right, let's bring out Raz. Hey, Raz, come on out. Hi, Raz. Oh, here we go. Okay, today's <laughs> guest. Oh, God. It's Ryan Gall, whose last name was originally The Nerve. <laughs> As in the nerve of this guy thinking he can do comedy. <laughs> Ryan feels like the go-to actor for so-so roles. <laughs> like the Bizwin, eh, give it to that guy. I heard he's worked with Slenderman's wife. <laughs> Ryan, he's got a great head of hair on top of that empty skull. <laughs> oh, man. Ryan, I always wanted to ask you this. Do people compliment you on your looks? Do people think you're handsome? 
I mean, I think there was probably a point. <laughs> okay, people had really bad eyesight. Okay. <laughs> I just want to, I have to bring you down because I'm worried. I don't want that head to get any bigger. Okay. Ryan, you got razzed by the best of them. When you, when you see me out, go the other way. I do not want to talk to you. It'd be the worst. Bye. Bye Thanks, Raz. Oh, God. Always a delight. Yeah. Raz, always a delight. <laughs> Who's the guy who does all the, the uh, insults on? Uh, uh, Jeffrey Ross. Yeah, he's like, he's he's very similar to Jeffrey Ross in yeah. in looks as well. I didn't realize who's going to be wearing both, that. Both Jewish. <laughs> yeah, that was my. <laughs> that's where I was going. Mm-hmm. We touched on a little bit, but how, do you have mantras or things you do in the downtimes? Do you have a, something for yourself that you go, "All right, I'm not working." How do you, I guess, ride that wave? In my downtime, I do. I still try to work out a lot because I find it very therapeutic to get away from writing and, you know, auditions. It's like a, it's a good distraction. It's a healthy distraction for me to be like, I'm going to go on a run or uh, go in my backyard and work out or, you know, before the pandemic, go to a class somewhere, a yoga class. You know, the truth is, I think sometimes I'm, just really bored (laughs) and it's I think that's okay because out of boredom usually comes creativity Mm -hmm. and I'll find myself doing things sometimes whether it's like a couple years ago I was not I was going through a stretch where I was like god I'm not doing anything and my friend Nick was like let's just let's let's do something. Let's write a short. And I was like, I don't have anything to write a short about. What am I going to write about? Two guys who live together and got annoyed by each other. And he was like, I don't know if you want to. And so I kind of put it out of my head and my cat who's named Jack and his brother is named Tripper because John Ritter is my, my idol. We did not touch on that. Um, But I loved him. Loved him. I still miss him to this day. But I, but Jack died. I had to put him down. And I was devastated because he was like my first friend in LA. And he had been with me for years and years and years. And I remember going to a show and my director at the time, Deanna Oliver, was like, what are you going to bring to me for like sketches and stuff? And I was like, I don't know. I'm not in the mood. I'm devastated about my cat. And she was like, well, write about it. Write something about that. And I ended up writing a sketch about putting a cat down that I was like, I don't know if this can be funny or not, but it was, it ended up being something I turned into a short. And I guess my, this is a long way of getting to, I was filling that time with not just writing, but I ended up taking this short around the country to festivals. And it was something different that I'd never done. And it kind of, all of it came out of, just being bored and taking a stab at something I had never done. And it actually, it was, it was, I mean, it wasn't winning awards, but it was successful in the way that a, it, a lot of people reacted to it. And I got to travel and see so much uh, film that I would have never have seen. And it kind of changed me in a way. It all came from, from boredom. So my philosophy on is sometimes to purposely let myself be bored now and just be like, I'm getting up and I'm having a cup of coffee and I'm going to sit on the couch. I'm not turning the TV on. I'm not going to 
do anything. I'm just literally going to sit here and do nothing for like an hour and a half and see what happens. And sometimes I will be like, Oh, I should do that. I should do this. Maybe I'll do that. And I, I will pop into things I've never done before and do them. Yeah. There's the power in the boredom. It's like a lost art in a way of being like, Oh my God, I'm so bored. And when you're a kid, you just handled it. You did something fun. And now I feel like when you're bored, it's so quick to be like, oh, I'll get on my phone or I'll watch something or I'll just yeah. play around. But yeah, I think that's a kind of great advice of like get bored and then like see where your brain goes. Do you have, or have you ever given thought now you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing, but if not acting, what would be the career or the area of interest you'd want to pursue? I've been kind of doing it for so long now. I don't know. And it scares me a little bit because I'm like, well, if things just dry up and they do for a lot of people, I was like, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do. Cause I'm not, I'm not good at any, there's no other career that I think I could do that and have some like even mediocre success <laughs> that i i mean the only thing i did before acting was i was very quickly a salesman for wb mason in the in the boston area and i sucked at that and then i waited tables and i was very bad at that and then i worked at a bank for about six months in a customer service call center and i was very bad at that. So I don't have a track record of, of like, I wasn't exactly making any sacrifice when I went into acting to be like, wow, I'm leaving behind a great career. I was sort of like, well, uh, this better work. <laughs> I, I hope I can do this. So I don't know. I don't know what I'd do. I would, I'd, it would have to be something I, like I'd be doing trial and error because I don't have anything. That's pretty sad, isn't it? I mean, it's a good, it's a great way of staying in the business because I'm like, well, this is what I'm supposed to I, do. And this is what I, all I can do. Yeah. I feel like I, I mean, I'm with you. I have moments where I go like, I think there's other things I could do. I just know none of them I'd be as good at or enjoy as much. And then at the end of the day, you're like, why are we here? Like, you know, yeah. like, do you worry that when you were in that like LA troop in high school and you left the math class, the teacher went like waiting, like, okay, now here's everything you need to know actually about <laughs> life. There's a good chance he did because clearly I was missing something else in all those other careers. I have FOMO of geometry class <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for what sure. What's up with those triangles? Um, there well, is, a, you know, I know you're you're joking about that, but there is something to the idea of like I went into acting and I left behind this time that all these other people were training in other careers. And I may have just not given it enough time in any of those other things, sales or, you know, but I also think back and I'm like, I don't want to be a salesman and no offense to anybody who's a salesman and is passionate about it and good at it. But I see so many people in other careers that are like, God, I wish I could do like what you, maybe I, I have people go, I'm going to try, I think I should try to do what you do too. These are like 40 year old men. And I'm like, hey, give us a little credit that we're trained and we we have a, like, I didn't just jump into this and go like, I'll do acting. I sucked for a long time and still have many days where I still <laughs> think I suck, but at least I know I'm trained and I have a better chance of success now. For as hard as people say it is, there is also the other side where people go like, but yeah, I'll jump up. 
And yeah. we're not talking improv here. We're talking acting. That actually yeah. takes training and time. I'm with you. Yeah. I'll do a CSI show. Yeah. Sure. That'd be easy. I could be a dead body. <laughs> Ryan, I've been asking all my guests, uh, when you're inevitably, and maybe you already have been, and sorry if I don't know this, but a guest on the late night show, do you have a story you'd love to tell? I have not ever been a guest on a late night show. And I don't know what story I would tell. Did you warn me you were going to tell me this? I should have come up with something. This would, this would be my nightmare, by the way. It's like getting on Fallon someday and him asking and just being like, uh, I know you guys prepped me, but I... <laughs> I'm freezing up. <laughs> Three minutes oh, of silence. No. Um, no, I, I, I don't think I have a, a great story that I can think of right now. I'd probably talk about the time when I was on my way to test for a TV show and crap my pants. Oh, I love how it's like, I don't really have a good story. I just have the classic <laughs> crapping my pants. <laughs> crap my pants. It was, and I'm not a big pants crapper. There are some people that they're like, oh, I crap my pants like two or it's, three times a year. And you're like, what? How do you crap your pants so much? You. I find it like alarming, medically alarming. Yeah, I'm like, you need to have something stitched up or, or like at least tightened because, or your, your diet must be out of control if you're crapping your pants that often. I think I've done it like, you know, after the age of four, let's say, I think I've done it maybe three times in my life, maybe. And one of them, I may have had too much like bad beer the night yeah. before. But this time was clearly like a stomach bug because I wasn't feeling well. And I was like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And you know that point where you get to where you're like, all right, I got to start looking for like an alley or <laughs> like I'm not even looking for a CVS for the bathroom anymore. I'm like, I don't have the time to get from the car to a bathroom. I just need to try to save the car at this point. And it quickly turned from that to, okay. I, it's too late. I'm sitting in my own self. I need to turn around and go redo things. And I, I didn't even try to save those pants or any, I just was, I felt like Jodie Foster in the accused in the corner of a shower, <laughs> like <laughs> cleaning myself. <laughs> I wish that at the end, you're like, but I still went in and I tested. I ended okay. up going back in. I was just late. And they were like, why are you late? And I was like, I shit myself. I shit myself. No, I did not tell them I shit myself. I, but I did say, I was like, oh, I wasn't, I'm not feeling well. And I think they moved the test to uh, the next day, luckily. And I didn't get it. Now, do you ever, and that's, I would always wonder, like, what do you think they would have appreciated if you're like, honestly, I, I crapped my pants. I crapped my pants. You know, I, I think I'm at a point now where I'd be more apt to tell them and be honest. But I might not with a crap my pants story only because it feels a little jokey. A crap your pants story is like, you know, even if I was going to do late night talk show and I was like, I have a crap my pants story. They'd be like, eh, yeah, what else you got? Anything without the crap? Um, no can do. So that was a, that was a hard moment and a great story. It's fantastic. <laughs> I feel like the crap your pants story. It's like, if you do it on the late night show, that's the one where like, that's the pilot I booked. That's the show everyone knows me on. Can you believe it? Like, I almost didn't make yes. it because I grabbed my pants. It's just sort of like... That would be a great ending to this story. And if I was going to use it, I will lie and say I did book yeah. it. 
And they'll be like, what happened? We didn't see you on the show. And I was like, eh. they wrote me off. Fire, fired after the table read. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have also really opened the listener's ears to the idea. If you are someone who's crapping yourself multiple times a year, yeah, get, get, get it looked at. Honestly, honestly. I am with you. Something is happening internally with your diet or with your lifestyle. Yes. If you hear a crap your pants story and you go, that's not a big deal. It, you need to reevaluate things because it is a big deal if you crap your pants after the age of four, I think. Maybe even 10. Like, uh, yeah. If you, maybe a kid uh, could go to the bathroom and something happened. Yes, yeah, something happened. Or if you're sick, I get it. But even if you're, si- if you're sick that often where you're crapping your pants a lot, it's too much. So get it looked at, you know, reevaluate, look at your diet. Yeah. Let's, figure, let's figure it out. Write to us. Call we're here, us. We're here to help. We're here to help you stop crapping your pants. <laughs> yes. Or crap the bed. Don't crap the bed. That's a thing too, where I've heard people say they sh- literally shit the bed. And I guess that's where the saying comes from. But I didn't realize pee- I'm peeing the bed, I guess. Not, I, don't, I don't really pee the bed either. Bed wetter. There's no like a sensor doesn't go off. You don't get that sensation. But to crap the bed, <laughs> a lot of stuff's happening. I don't know how you wouldn't immediately go, oh, no. Like I'm crapping in the bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when we'd say crap your pants or... Or take I, a full load. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's just say it's more than a cup. Yeah. <laughs> the cup runs, runs over. It's, it's eight ounces or more. <laughs> yes, easily. <laughs> so, listeners, don't write us if you're just doing little charts. We want full... <laughs> Yeah, I want to hear about this. Like, it has to has to ruin something. Yeah, you can't put this in the washer. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. Well, I'm right. glad there's nobody listening at this point. They're like, Jesus! I went on a tear <laughs> at the end about crapping your pants. It's too much. No, thank you. <laughs> well, Ryan, before we do go, do you have any any things you're working on, or anything the listener should be looking out for for you? The only thing is the last OG season four premieres TBS. And if you haven't seen any of the first three seasons and want to check them out, I believe they're all on Netflix, which is a streaming, streaming service. Yeah. Google Netflix and (laughs) see what it is. Well, congrats. And yeah, everyone check out the last OG. Ryan, it's been so nice having you on. Absolute pleasure. Uh, I hope the next time I see you, I hope that we're on stage and you're sniping little jokes around me and I'm steamrolling the shit out of you. <laughs> and you're just matching the tense of energy. That's right. That's right. But thanks again, everyone, for listening. I'm your host, Daniel Acker, and this has been Almost Almost Famous. Almost Almost Famous.